Hi guys, and welcome to a new episode of Tapis Rouge. I'm your host, Guillaume Cochois, and today's shout-out goes to Julie Williams from Binghamton, New York, who was the first one to find out our guest today, Kim Barrett. Kim is a stellar costume designer. From the Matrix movies, Shang-Chi, Aquaman, The Amazing Spider-Man, she creates costumes for all the greats in Hollywood. But she also happens to make costumes for Cirque du Soleil shows. She literally dresses up clowns and superheroes. She's one of the great and as such has so much stories and creativity gems to share. So here she is, the mighty Kim Barrett. Kim, you are uh, an incredibly successful costume designer. You did all the Matrix costumes, the Aquaman, the amazing Spider-Man, but you also happen to have done costumes for many Cirque du Soleil shows. So would you mind taking us on your Cirque du Soleil journey? How did you first get contacted with Cirque and how this whole Cirque du Soleil collaboration happened? Well, I obviously... um... When I was in theater school, um, we used to um, all go to see Cirque du Soleil shows. Okay. Um, and sometimes we'd go help, like, you know, out the front or box office or putting up signage or stuff like that. So oh. I started out seeing Cirque in my, my early 20s. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I always, look forward to it and I but I never really thought about like designing for it because it seemed so far away from Australia mm-hmm. um and then I'd been living in LA for about 10 years I would say and um 10 or 15 years um and I'd been traveling a lot like for my job to lots of random countries and mm-hmm. I was at home I just had my my son and I got a call from um, Nielsen mm-hmm. um, and he was like, hi, Robert would like to meet you. He wants doing a Cirque du Soleil show, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wow, like that's crazy because I've always wanted to do that. And the plus I'd always, I'd seen Robert's shows as well. So you're talking about um, Nelson Vignola, who was in charge of, of the production and Robert Lepage, who was the director. Exactly. And then also... I got this phone call from Gabriel Pinkstone, who was at that time, like, I think the production manager of our particular show. Mm-hmm. And um, she was a theatre school um, friend of mine. We both went to theatre school together. Oh, really? Yeah. So that was crazy because I didn't really, I knew she'd moved to Canada, but I didn't really know that that's what she was doing because she'd been doing theater all over the world. And so it was kind of this weird, (laughs) you know, kind of combination of things. And then the final thing, which everything came together was I went to interview assistant costume designers and, um, I met, um, Mark DeCoste, who's remained one of my, you know, constant and favorite assistant costume designers of all time. Mm -hmm. And he 
had been the ex-boyfriend of the of the guy who cut the costumes for me in on Romeo and Juliet. Oh, okay. So a lot of a lot of like connection. Yeah, of- just like completely crazy, you know, web of of um of people that I was connected to. So it just seemed like the right thing to do and um it was very exciting and it was also something that I I understood the the whole aerial concept because of doing so many stunt shows. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. you're familiar with like harness work, cable work. Yeah, I was very familiar with, you know, what what was comfortable and what worked and how to make it um you know, how to work with the performers to um to create something that, you know, was going to enhance their performance rather than mm-hmm. make their performance more difficult. So, um yeah, so that was just part of the fun of it and also I think that also what drew me to it was that a lot of the Cirque du Soleil that I'd seen had kind of come from the very, very beginning um, in the 80s, you know, when it was it was a definite style. Cirque had its own particular style. Yes. And Robert wanted to do something that, you know, had its roots in kind of documentary evolution. Okay. So that was really fun because we were looking at real insects and real frogs and real, you know, how do you, um, how could I, how could I create a look, which even though it was theatrical and it was still Cirque, it had a kind of, um, technological documentary film feeling. Mm -hmm. So I came up with this idea of integrating, um, pixelation, like on a television screen, um, into the prints so that everything, you know, had a kind of television screen quality to it. Oh, um, yeah. So it was a, a, you know, it was really an interesting job for me in like so many ways all at once and, um, and spending a winter in, obviously, a <laughs> winter in <laughs> Montreal was also crazy. So, um, yeah. My life was very intense at that time, and and how does the the whole designing process happen? Mm. Robert, the project director, shares with you the inspiration, what the style that he wants, some images. You get that first. No, he doesn't. So the way that he works, um, and I've done quite a few jobs with him now, and I've done some operas with him as well. Um, he likes to um get everybody a couple of years like two years before the show opens mm-hmm. um everyone all the creative team into a into a room for a week or so um and then every three months we'd come back together for a week and he'd say you know I kind of want it to be about evolution and about you know, man transcending earth and moving for, for totem, for example, you know, man transcends, evolves and then transcends earth and to the stars. That was his kind mm. of thing. So then we all went away and we all brought back imagery that spoke mm. to us that same thought. Mm. Um, so he never said to us, he never proposed us a, an image or a, 
um, even a piece of music or anything. I mean, I love to have music because that really like helps me like creatively. Yeah. Um, but he didn't have anything. So he was just like, okay, in three months, come back, um, bring inspirations, bring images, bring ideas, come back. So we did that for like three times in a row. And while that was happening, so that was almost, you know, that was like almost three quarters of a year. Mm -hmm. Um, and then they started to start bringing in, uh, ideas for performances. Okay. So every time they, you know, have a more concrete idea of which group of performers were performing, um, we would in, we would integrate that, right. If we'd have, you know, the aerial team, um, we'd integrate that idea of those two people and mm -hmm. their act because we would see their act. Um, and then the next time we come back, we'd come back with ideas about what could that aerial team be doing. And in our case, it was mm -hmm. the lovebirds and, um, you know, that, that was kind of one of the easier ones to, yeah. to formulate a design for. Uh, but that's how we worked. Like we worked act by act really. Okay. And we tried to figure in the personality and the skills of um, each person or each group person in the group of performers and, mm -hmm. and work out like, how can we tell a story with this, these people visually that also intersects with the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. So um, for me, uh, it's a great way to work because I love the collaboration process and I love um, mixing it in, you know, everybody's got mm -hmm. their piece of the, their recipe, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, and so being able to put it all together and pull things away and add things back in and, um, and then once, of course, you get the personalities of the performers, mm -hmm. it really is the time to start fleshing out, like, what is, what is it actually going to look like? Mm -hmm. So the illustrations really didn't even start until into the second year of, of uh, meetings. Huh. We were really just working on the big picture and the minute details and the feeling and the, and the, um, you know, the feeling that the space would evoke in the audience. Yes. Um, the soundscape. Was it a radically different process working with different, different directors, but still within Cirque du Soleil? I've only ever worked with Robert. Oh, except for Run. No, Run, I had two different directors, yeah. Oh, no, that's not true, actually. <laughs> that's not true. Avatar had two different directors. That's completely not true. I just feel like I've always been with Robert, but I think that's because of the opera. But, um, yeah, I mean, Robert is, um, I would say, he is a encyclopedia Mm, yes. Of um, of of theater history and film history and photography and um, design of all kinds and music and ballet and dance and he's he's just like a complete um, I don't know how to describe him as <laughs> an almighty creator. He's the Rubik's cube of of artistic you know yeah. endeavor. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what you give him, you know, he can manipulate the cube to pull out something amazing. So I, um, 
so, you know, he's like, obviously that's the reason I've kept working with him because mm. that's just such a great way for me to work. I really enjoy mm. that. And do you like that kind of schedule of very spaced out, like having that space on your own to respond to that first initial seeds that he would give you and then to come back to all together, exchange, and then again, come back on your own? Yeah, it's nice. But obviously I could never survive if that's how I did it. Yeah. <laughs> Between times, you know, I will be always doing a movie or a play in a movie or an opera and, a, you know, I'll be trying to do a couple of different things at the same time mm -hmm. so that we can, um, I can make money. Mm -hmm. um, and, but always I would schedule in, you know, I just say I can't be here for this week or this week. And um, fortunately for me, always worked out okay. Mm -hmm. Um But yeah, I pref I like that because I feel like my brain, uh, I need to have more things in my brain to think about because, uh, you know, I'm a Leo. Yes. And so I can be incredibly lazy if I've got, no <laughs> I've got nothing to do, I won't do anything. Okay. If I've got a hundred things to do, then I'll do 110 things. Yes. So I like to keep busy and keep my brain in different spaces mm -hmm. um because then every time you come back to the you know each different project you're looking at it in a new yeah exactly new way yeah. you're diving into it constantly yeah rather than just like constantly thinking about the same thing um that's difficult for me uh and also i like the collaborative uh i like being with a team of people mm -hmm. i enjoy working with a team and uh on that collaborative aspect, do you involve the, the actors or the acrobats in the design process? Or is it something that's just between you and the director? Uh, I think it depends. It's like in any, any performers, acrobats or actors or anyone, um, some people want to be involved. You know, they enjoy to be involved in it. Some people don't mind. They're like, make it, make me comfortable. You know, I just want to do whatever's going to make my performance better. Mm -hmm. uh, some people love to get into character and think, you know, what's better for them. Some people just like to see um, how their costume's going to look in the big picture against the okay. set or the other people. So it's very individual. And um, I like that as well. I don't mm -hmm. mind. I like and that aspect of character of like the, the actor or the acrobats mm. be telling you like oh my I see my character a certain way or like I want my character to the costume to reflect such and such aspect of my character do that kind of stuff nourish your creativity there's an intersection right so there's there's what Robert what what the big picture of the show is obviously which is the context you work within everybody works within that mm -hmm. there are certain rules right which we all follow so as long as the performer as long as everyone understands the rules right one mm -hmm. rule might be there's no red and no blue in this show one rule might mm -hmm. be um, it has to work in water wind and you know um yeah like for aquaman for example it's a underwater universe so he has to speak a certain language yeah so as long as everybody understands there's certain 
certain language for each production, then um, then I think then the actor or the performer, they don't tend to completely go out of that picture frame, right? They, mm-hmm. they, they usually will go, okay, I kind of understand the concept. So I'd like to, um, I'd like to, you know, create a character that makes the audience feel this way or um, helps me with my performance by giving me, for example, I've had people say to me, make one heel on my shoe half an inch shorter than the other heel because I want to walk in a funny way because that'll make me feel the right character. Doesn't matter what else you do with me. Then I'll have some people who'll say, I want to have, you know, done up up to the top of my neck and I want to have a hat and I want to, because that will help my character do this and this. Mm -hmm. And some people are just like, well, I look good in blue and can it be blue? (laughs) So if it can be blue, and they like blue, um, I'll make something that they look beautiful in blue. Uh, <laughs> that's so, that's so funny. The, the range is really wide of like what the request very right, can be. Wide. Everybody, you know, I like to say everybody has their, you know, their picture frame and everyone fills in their picture frame. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, you know, my job is to make the performers feel confident Mm -hmm. and um like somebody's there who's listening to them um it's also to make sure that you know every practically everything's going to work really well Mm -hmm. and then it's also my job to kind of be a a, you know a conduit between robert and the performer okay so there, people are, are afraid often to say to the director, I don't like, blah, 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 you know, that I don't want to. <laughs> yes. Um, so when I go to meet with the director, I'll say, you know, these, this is all coming along and I'll show pictures and things and videos and stunts and mm-hmm. a lot of, I try to, I try to videotape a lot of stuff in movement so that people uh, can yes. see what it looks like. Um and from far away and up close to, I'm thinking yeah, especially yeah. with the like the frogs costumes in Totem, for example, like seeing them from up close and from the house was completely different. Yeah. So, and then, you know, I can say to the director, you know, this person's having trouble with, you know, they can't wear this particular shoe or they find it very difficult to fit this many props and blah, 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 so that I can kind of prepare the director and say, you know, we need to work on this sequence because these things are not working, but here's some other ideas we have. Usually I'll work with the performer and say, let's do what, let's do a different version of the same idea and you do it with the props that you know you can work with um, and I'll videotape it. So I'll say to the director, you know, they're having trouble doing this, but we came up with this idea. What do you think about that? And then it makes it a kind of a smoother process than, you know, people getting frustrated in the rehearsal room. Yes. And running out of time. And, you know. Yeah. So that's part of my job as well is to kind of help, um, you know, make a, a nice pathway of communication. Mm. Yeah. And like on the Cirque show, you, the cast is about 50 people, but on a movie, you have hundreds of 
people. So how does that change for you? Do you get to still take care of each individual actors when you work on movies? Well, most of the time actors, I would say we have the same number of main cast actors on a movie, most movies, mm-hmm. some's a little bit less, but on a big movie, probably 50 people like main cast and supporting cast and day players, probably about 50 usually. Okay. Um, so I would, I would get time with pretty much everyone. The difference is that I wouldn't get time um, like at Cirque, for example, everybody, you know, comes in for fittings and then everybody's there all the time. Yes. So you see people at rehearsal, you see them at lunch, you see them in, you can say, can you come by? Let's check our shoes. Mm. You see people every day. On movies, they might not even cast someone till two days before. Uh, yeah, okay. So in my mind, I've got an idea about that person, what that character's like. So I've usually prepared a bunch of stuff in various size ranges Mm -hmm. and then I'll find out who it is and then I'll pull back what doesn't work for that person and add some stuff in but usually it's quite quick so and I might get one chance to see them once or two Mm -hmm. one or two um so you have to be more efficient and you maybe have less a bit less room to research and try and error yeah I mean you're doing on a movie you're doing everything at once so you're researching you're drawing you're constructing you're fitting you're shooting you know so it's all happening at the same time um so that's why we work you know at at Cirque you would work eight hour day for work and on a movie you'll work a 12 hour day yeah so you just have more to get done and more people and um but for me, at least, you know, the building part, the construction part is very similar. I tend to get hired on movies where we build everything the same way as in Cirque. We, we build okay. it, we make the shoes, we make the gloves, the, you know. So, um, do you so use the least, same team? Do you have like this, a similar team that works with you on all your projects? Or depending on the project, you cast different people from different projects? Depends on the skills of the people. Um, yeah, so some movies need, you know, 3D uh, technicians. Some movies need sculptors, engineers, mm-hmm. metal workers, shoemakers. And some projects just need stretch, like Cirque. Some just, yeah. just need, you know, it's always different. But I have like a three, a three or four of the same people I try to take everywhere because we, you know, Mark is one of those people. We try mm-hmm. to have the same language. Um, and the more you work together, also the more you have that chemistry together, your minds are more connected. You get more efficiency yeah. working together. Yeah. And also, you know, it's a hard job. So you're away from home a lot for a long, like on a movie, I'm away 10 months, maybe a year. Wow, okay. Yeah. Shang-Chi I was away for 17 months wow um and we shot all through COVID so oh it must have been um, crazy yeah so you want to be with people you like you want to be with people you can who know you really well and who you know you have 
it's like going on tour with a sexual almost you exactly. spend your whole life there is no like work and then home it's like it's all together so you want people yeah. who can be with yeah. you at your best and at your worst behavior too yeah so you know i feel like that that's important to me the the more you know the more longer i work the most important thing to me is working with people i enjoy working with Mm-hmm. and directors that I trust and um so yeah so it's 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 the only thing in the end mm-hmm. why spend your whole life with people you don't want to <laughs> that's true <laughs> talking about directors that you trust you work with the Wachowskis on many projects you did the whole Matrix trilogy the Cloud Atlas Speed Racer do you have with them a similar kind of relationship creatively, like because you work together on so many projects? Yeah, I mean, we, yeah, we knew each other like 20 years. Hmm. Now, like 25 years, I guess. Um, I stopped working with them when they started doing TV. Okay. Um, because we did, we did a really, we did Jupiter Ascending, which was like two years. Um, and it was a very intense project. It, was, it took two uh, years to be to be made. Yeah, because we had to. We shot. It was such a huge project, mm-hmm. um, and we shot in London. Um, and you know, they were like, "Ready? We're going to go do a TV show now." And I was like, "No, I'm too done." <laughs> <laughs> um, so since then, I haven't had it. I've been just doing other stuff and other projects. So we still, um, yeah, we still talk about it, but we haven't managed to get back together yet. Is it happening often that after big projects like this, you kind of need to take a break and focusing on maybe smaller scales or like less pressure kind of stuff? Yeah, I like to do a movie and then I like to do a play and then I like to, you know, I like to mix it up. Mm -hmm. I did a a straight up Shang-Chi was a big giant movie. Mm -hmm. Um, And after that, I did a little tiny movie um, with George Miller Mm-hmm. Um, called 3,000 Years of Longing with Idris Elba, Elba and mm-hmm. Tilda Swinton, which was tiny, tiny, tiny. So we didn't have a lot tiny of Tiny movies, but with big, big team. <laughs> yeah. So we didn't have a lot of money and it was all George's money. He was his own personal money. Um, and it was set in like um, ancient um, uh, Turkey. Oh, okay. All through the Turkish Empire, um, like 3,000 years of time. Mm. So, but we had no money. So we had to be very inventive and really try hard to create like a believable passing of time through history. So that was really great for me because I had to be inventive. I had a tiny team, only six people. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, was difficult. So, uh, and then after that I did, um, I just finished, uh, a job with Javier Bardem. Oh, um, I love him. He's amazing. Yeah, he is. Um, and it's a children's storybook from the 1960s, which was, um, really fun. Cause it was singing and dancing and, oh. um, a crocodile. <laughs> <laughs> Our partner in this episode is Circus Talk. 
the online career marketplace for circus and the performing arts. Circus Talk is the new thing that is great for our international circus community. It is an amazing information resource bringing news, events and industry trends to us, professionals working in the field. What also makes Circus Talks amazing is their first online casting platform that connects talents and talent seekers in circus and performing arts. If you're a talent seeker, you can finally post jobs and auditions in a professional and transparent way instead of using social media accounts. There are already over 28,000 artist profiles on Circus Talk that talent seekers can search while talents can find jobs and apply to them via the Circus Talk platform. You can get your first month free on both Circus Talk Talent and Talent Seeker Pro membership by using the promo code TAPIROUGE in one word. So go to circustalk.com, sign up to Pro and use the code TAPIROUGE to find your spotlight with our partner, Circus Talk. All right, guys, a little side story now. Back in 2014, I hurt my back training backstage before a show. The pain was so intense, I couldn't put my socks on, sit for more than two minutes, and obviously, it took me out of the show for quite some time. I followed a strict core rehabilitation program, and after six weeks, I got back on stage. But I kept having recurring pain. So I started to educate myself about core anatomy, rehab training, and pain science. I wanted to understand why am I doing all these exercises if the pain keeps coming back. The more I was learning, the more I understood I had to change. I started switching exercises, tweak some techniques and executions, and also completely changed my perception of pain. After a couple of weeks, on top of reducing considerably my pain level, I was feeling so much stronger, which increased my confidence to move and better perform on stage. My life overall was so much better. Finally, I was pain-free and not scared to hurt my back again. I had a lot of artists and athlete friends who saw that happening and asked me, hey, what did you do for your back? And I thought, I could put it all out in a clear and clean way, instead of always pulling random videos on YouTube and giving quick guidance. So I reached out to all the best doctors, physiotherapists, and performance medicine specialists whom I met touring, and asked them to help me develop Protocol Cut to the Core. Protocol Cut to the Core is the first rehab and strengthening protocol for back or hip pain that also includes a comprehensive course in core anatomy, biomechanics, and pain science. It is approved by doctors, physios, and performance medicine specialists from five different countries. If you are suffering from acute or persistent back or hip pain, you can find protocol Cut to the Core on our website at cuttothecorefitness.com. When movement is an issue, movement is the solution. And now, let's get back to the show. Do you have a favorite style of costume design? Do you like when you go to like a different world or the universe because you can design pretty much anything you want compared to like, oh, it's set in 2014? Yeah, I mean, I think I try to choose projects that are different 
um, and things I've never done before mm-hmm. just because I want to learn new stuff and, you know, um, and it's challenging and, you know, it's interesting to me. Um, but I think you fall in love with every period of time, you know, like there's something in every project to you. And if you don't, it's very hard to put everything into the project, right? Yeah, it's very hard yeah. to. It should be driven by passion for sure. Yeah. So you have to kind of fall in love with every different project and um, find something in there that that gives you, you know, I don't know. I hate to use the word inspiration. I think people use that too much, but hmm. it gives you like this kind of, you know, treadmill to run fast on and jump on yeah. from mm-hmm. that kind of feeling of you don't know what's going to happen but you know something good's going to happen yeah so. do you have one one project that you've done that you are particularly proud or like maybe you had a, an idea of what it would be like and he ended up being above and beyond everything mm. you could imagine i don't know i mean of course i'm very self-critical so that's all the greats you know every project I have parts where I'm like oh that's so great I'm really happy I did that and then every project I have parts where I'm like no (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I can't really I think it's hard to it's hard to um it's hard to see it from the inside um Mm. I would say for me, the best judge of whether I did a good job is if people don't really notice the costumes that much. They're like, oh, I believe that's going to happen. Oh, I believe that story. Oh, the, mm-hmm. I believe okay. those characters. Then I think that's, I've done a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, there are some um, costumes where I'm like, oh, I love that costume. It was so much fun to make that. Mm-hmm. But it didn't really have to be that, you know, the audience, I could have done three different things and had the audience feel the same way. But I get that's part of your artist's, of your artist's signature too. I think it's, it, as an artist on stage, we know we can switch one trick from another. We can change the choreography and thinking like, oh, the, it's going to be the same for the audience, but it's, it's for you. It's like the choice and the decision that you make as an artist to be like, I have three options they would all produce the same result but i choose this one because that's what correspond to my vision yeah i think yeah, that's exactly right you said it exactly the perfect way yeah so i feel that um really it's for me the enjoyment is like i love after a movie i love going into the bathroom and listening to what everybody's saying oh yeah Oh, I'd like, oh, that's amazing. You know, wasn't that guy, you know, didn't they do a good job with that? Like, I love to hear like in the foyer, I'll always hang around the foyer oh. and try and hear what real, I want to know what real people think, right? Yeah. Because we can all talk to each other, mm. Mm, you know, it's great, looks great, blah, blah, blah. But in the end, the most important thing is that the audience got it. And mm-hmm. they, yeah. right, they felt they felt encapsulated in the story and they like i think what you say is very interesting that thing of like oh in between each other we are everything is great we are all amazing but uh, i worked with 
a director who was the first one to actually not play that game. And I think especially working for Cirque du Soleil, you know, we do so many shows for so long. Then when you get to a place where it works and that the audience is happy, it's easy for a director to be like, oh, it works, it's fine. Like, I, I'm going to focus on other stuff. But that director, Robert Vezina, was the first one to say like, oh, actually, if you want the truth, this is not so great. This could be better. This got a little bit sloppy. And then it was so amazing for me to receive this criticism, like some realness that's because it allowed me to progress so much. And it gave me such a drive to improve my performance. And I remember I would like work with my partner, Sarah, on the side. And then after a week, I would go into the office and say, oh, can you come to watch a show tonight? Like I have some stuff to show you. And then he would also say, we say, okay, this is a bit better. This is great. This not your best choice, you know? And that I enjoyed so much that realness of like, you want to work, you want to improve. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to give it to you. Yeah. I mean, it shouldn't be torture, but it shouldn't be easy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you did the design, the costume for run as well, which was a mix of circus and cinema did mm. you feel also in a costume design that mix of circus performance and cinema um i think that was the intention i mean my when i've said this to many people no one wanted care to listen to me but um <laughs> but you know i think what was what what was it was nothing to do with the the costumes weren't i mean they were important but the most important thing was that there wasn't enough circus in there. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't mean circus as in da, 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 da. I don't mean yeah. that. I mean, the, um, where you look at something and you go, Oh my God. Yeah. Like human performances. How could you possibly yeah. do that. And there was a kind of a, a kind of an idea that they didn't want too much circus because they didn't want it to feel Cirque du Soleil ish. Mm -hmm. But I think, I think the costumes, for example, and the design would have been it would have would have could have stayed the same. But the show would have been so much more interesting if nobody, if everybody just was like, forget that, just go with what you're good at. Do with do let performers do what mm. they're really great at, and make you know, make the audience just to suspend their disbelief. Right? They're just like. Mm. Oh, we're seeing a theater show. We're seeing a show in Vegas. It's not like Cirque. It's kind of interesting, but I've still got the wow factor. Yeah. So I do think that um, in that case, the costumes, um, they did their job, you know, they mm -hmm. were good and, and everything. But um, I think we made them so that you could do anything in them, any normal uh acrobatic in mm -hmm. in it in case you know later down the line they added more <laughs> yes but in the end you know of course covid came it shut down blah blah yeah. blah so. but i was curious because i had my i had a couple of friends who were developing materials for that show very very early on at the ihq the headquarter of Cirque, and they were doing all these old school stunts like they were saying oh we're being put into barrels and thrown down the stairs, like human tortures and Buster Keaton kind of stunts. And I thought that was such a, a brilliant idea to go 
pick into that kind of vocabulary, especially with the type of acrobats that Cirque can have access to? Well, yeah, but it's they're very different, right? Stunts and acrobats, acrobatics is a very different skill set. Mm-hmm. So there's somewhere in between, like, I don't think they ever really reached the moment. Like, I thought the, the stunt ideas were really good as well. Mm-hmm. But I think on stage, a stunt, you can't look at it from multiple angles. You can't look at it from the top. You can't look at it from the POV of the of the actor, right? So it still looks like a controlled mm. something theatrical controlled by the proscenium. Um, so I felt, and we had early on like a bunch of stuff where things came through the auditorium, across the heads of the audience, things like that. But then, of course, they didn't have enough money. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it needed to do a crazy stunt, but then ended off with some kind of Cirque va-va-voom, right? Magical mm-hmm. yeah. Just to like keep the audience up all yeah. the time. Uh-huh. Because stunts, you know, like of course when we do them for real and mm-hmm. when we do them for real, it's like a five-hour setup, takes forever. You know, mm-hmm. they do it one time, then they have to go back and reset everything. Like it's a very, they're very like tiny moments in time. Yeah. Cirque performance is like one moment, one moment, another moment, you yeah. know, a building crescendo of moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you can so, have five hours between each moment. That, that, that won't work. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I think there was a definite germ of an idea and, and something that uh, really had like potential, mm-hmm. but there was never nothing. We never really got to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but having said that, you know, it was really fun to, use the technology it was fun to be in a I, I you know I hadn't been in a um a theater in Vegas yeah in a Vegas theater right I'd done like touring like Avatar was like touring uh you know arena. yeah and uh, the the Avatar show was that um a different experience just because the fact that the I guess the costumes, the idea, the design was already made because of the movie. And the show was also like a Cirque show, but with a very strong cinematography element. And the type of acrobats also have a bunch of friends who were performers there. Like they were also like generalists where they had to be able to flip, but also to run and to like be really like actors on stage. Yeah. I mean, that was, I think, one of their biggest challenges was the acting. Um, But also, you know, my challenge was, um, yes, the concept was designed already, but how do I make tails on people who have (laughs) these Right? That was one of the biggest things. They're like, oh, my God, how am I going to do that? (laughs) Um, They don't get in the way or they hit them in the face or whatever, you know? Yeah. So, um, but actually in the end, that wasn't the hardest thing. Um, that actually worked out pretty well. Like quite quickly, we put it in rehearsal and we worked it out. So it worked pretty well. Um, I think the hardest part was um, making the glow in the costumes glow in the dark mm. and the makeup matched the costumes. Yeah. Colors. Um, so I designed the makeup for that too. So it was like 
quite, and that was like I'd never done like theatrical makeup design before. Yeah. So um, be an interesting challenge for you. Yeah, it was a good challenge and it was fun, and the makeup team were amazing, um, and super like taught me so much stuff. Um, so a lot of it was, yeah, for us, it was like a lot of technical stuff, like everything had to be woven or, you know, it had to be fake feathers or it had to be, fa- you know, everything was, mm, you know, had to be from a tree or a grass or a yeah. something, but we had to make it so could look like that, but be washed every day, not hit anyone, not poke anyone in the eye. You know? <laughs> it was a very physical show. Yeah. Um, and you know, also the arena is so huge, right? So I had to make it, um, still really intricate, handmade, beautiful, but still look good from far away, good from up close, you know, um, it was, it was like a big challenge, but I think the performance did really amazingly because the challenge, as you say, was, you know, a lot of them are acrobats and technical artists mm-hmm. had to also act a lot, a like lot, had yes. to have real characters and had to talk, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, you know, there was some dialogue and stuff. So um, there was a whole other skill set that they had to take on as well. So um, we were always, you know, trying to make sure that, um you know, they had time and space in their brains to take on those new challenges as well. Um, But, you know, I think as an ensemble, they really um, gave a great show. It was like a big, exhausting show. The arena is so huge, like not like being in the tent, right? It's like they had to run, you know, (laughs) hundreds and hundreds of feet to get to the next thing. Yeah, um, so yeah, huge, I thought they yeah. did a really good job. And did you get to work with James Cameron on the creative parts with the costumes and the makeup? Um, what we did was um, I designed all the costumes, how I thought, and then we went and had a meeting with James um, at the Manhattan Beach studio. I was me, Nielsen... Anyway, I took all the drawings with me and um, and all my reference boards and stuff. And uh, we all sat around with James and his some of his team, some of his illustrators. Mm-hmm. And um, they really loved, you know, all the different tribes like mm-hmm. that we that we'd made up. Um, and. And the only thing they hadn't, we didn't have that they had was they have an underwater tribe. Oh, yeah. All under the water. Hmm. So we like swapped, you know, stories. And he he was like, I love that. I'm going to take that. I'm going to use that. And Hmm. then um, they took us through um, the the animators and the illustrators, like through Hmm. the back of their uh, offices and we got to see all the stuff they were working on. So it was pretty fun because, you know, you could see where the worlds collided and how, um, you know, we could have easily, any of our tribes could have easily been uh, assimilated into, into his world and the other way around. So that was, um, 
that was really fun because we were like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for sure. Um, and he was great. He came to, of course, a couple of uh, previews and stuff. Mm-hmm. The opening night. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it was it was in another interesting thing, you know, right? Taking someone else's concept mm-hmm. and trying to make it work for a different, you know, medium. Yeah. Was Absolutely. Challenging. Yeah. I have a, a little question about your legendary Matrix code, the code of Neo. Mm. It, it became like a fashion icon. It influenced so many designers in fashion afterwards. And I mean, I grew up watching the Matrix in the movie theater. So I know that's something that is such a strong memory as well. So I wanted to ask you about how did that costume come to life and how was the, yeah, the development process? Well, um, the coat of um, Neo was a con- I wanted it to be ancient and modern at the same time. Um, so, you know, we were also looking at the kind of, the story is kind of a um, Christian, you know, mm-hmm. religious grail story. Yes. Um, but the the stylistic, you know, fighting and movement and all of that came from Chinese um, martial arts you, and right. So um, the coat kind of was a combination of those things, you know, like a high collar, mm-hmm. tight torso. Um, I added the buttons, which made it more ecclesiastical, like a mm-hmm. priest. Yeah, because he's kind of a prophet. So that would actually express that idea pretty brilliantly. Right. So, and also, you know, Keanu has a really, like, he has a long neck. He has a very, like, um, you don't see it a lot. He doesn't show it a lot. But he has, like, a really (laughs) elegant neck. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to, you know, I wanted to, once he became the one, right, Mm -hmm. I wanted him to, like, because he slouches, right? As Thomas Anderson, he's always kind yeah. of slouches. He's not very confident. He doesn't know, like, what am I doing? You know, mm. I'm not the one. <laughs> so I wanted him to, like, have a the way to, like, sta- all of a sudden, like, his stature would change. Ah. So the uh, kind of the Chinese neck, the ecclesiastical collar, it kind of gave him, you know, more of a standing up straight kind mm-hmm. of feeling. Um, and then, of course, the... the uh, the tails of the coat mm-hmm. were, it depended, like that coat, there's like 20 of those coats and they're all different. Oh, okay. So if we had wind, a lot mm-hmm. of wind, I would make a coat with more volume in the tail. So when the wind, when they, when they blew the fan, the wind would pick up underneath the skirt of the coat, right? Mm-hmm. And fly okay. But I couldn't use that cape coat for uh acrobatics because it would get, get stuck in the way yeah <laughs> the wires or hit fall over his head or whatever so they would cut a thinner version as like a smaller version okay um in the rain um of course i couldn't use those ones because they were too heavy if they got wet okay. so i made the same coat but in um a fabric where the water would pass through mm. And 
I so that it wouldn't be heavy. Yeah. But at the same time, sometimes I had to do shots where he was flying in the rain and the coat had to move. <laughs> it wouldn't move if it was wet. Oh. So we shot those some of those shots without the rain, pretending it was raining. So I had to put like fake silicone raindrops. Oh, that's amazing. The jacket. Right. So all of those things, which you problem solving things, Mm -hmm. um, when you watch the movie, well, second movie was mostly in the rain, Mm. the second movie for sure. Um, you know, we had to make many different coats Mm -hmm. so that the audience would just think it was the same one, whether it was dry, flying, raining. Yeah. (laughs) So it's, you know, that problem solving part, I really enjoy as well. Right. And working with all these different versions and I guess all these different costumes, do you have a, a fabric or a tissue that you you love, like a texture or something that you're like, oh, I personally love that material? No, I just to I use which whatever's appropriate to the thing, you know. So often on my team, I'll have like the same at Cirque, but also in film, I'll have like one person their whole job is fabric. Okay. So they're looking for fabric. And then often I'll make my own fabric oh. depending if I can't find the right thing or, mm-hmm. no, especially now the world is changing. Um, a lot of fabric you can't find anymore. Oh, okay. Um, and especially over COVID fabric, you know, people shut down. Mm, All of yeah. the many, many people in New York who used to provide fabrics just they're really old. Some of them died mm-hmm. of COVID. Um, they should. They decided they to shut down. Their children didn't want to take over. So um, slowly, slowly, the world of fabric is shrinking. Huh. Um, so um, often, I'll take fabric which exists and then I'll reprint on top of it, or embroider mm-hmm. on top of it, or change it um, to do something different. Mm. So I think you know, like. There's always something. There's always some, you know, like, what's the fabric from my last job? And everyone's like, no, they don't make that anymore. (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy. Uh, Listen, I have one last question for you. Mm. If tomorrow aliens would land on Earth, how Mm. would you explain Cirque du Soleil to them? Oh, wow. I think I would say human aspiration, Hmm. right? Doesn't the audience look at a Cirque show and be like, oh, my God, I wish I could do that. What if I could do that? You know, Mm -hmm. little kids go home and pretend they can do that. Yeah. I think there's some kind of like when you see a Cirque show, I think it makes you um, identify with a part of you that wants to do something bigger and better and more amazing mm-hmm. um, oh, I yeah. love that oh, that's a brilliant answer thank you so much and thank you so much for your time and for all your your wisdom it was really really amazing thanks for having me and uh, I wish you good luck for all your upcoming project and I've been re-watching this Matrix number two and look for these little drops on the coast <laughs> <laughs> 
Goodbye. Take care. Thank you. Amazing, right? I mean, I have to rewatch the Matrix movies now. I gotta see if I can spot these silicone drops. Man, I love this behind the scenes stuff. How much passion and how much power you can give to a character through its costume. I hope you find some inspiration to fuel your next shows or your next act, and I'll surely put more thoughts into my next costume. If you like this episode, please give it a good rating and review. Share the podcast on your socials with your friends, your family. Spread the word. It really helps Tapis Rouge growing. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, CircusTalk.com, or wherever you're getting your podcasts. All right, friends, that's it for today. Take it easy, meld if you have a show tonight, and until next week, as we say in the circus, see you down the road. <laughs>